sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Does religion influence American foreign policy? Is our policy in the Middle East and Iran strongly influenced by evangelical Zionism? Our guest today, Greg Hamilton, my good friend and frequent guest, is president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Greg. Glad to have you. Where shall we begin? Evangelical influence in the American approach to Iran or Israel? Start us off. Well, I think, you know, we have to look at the big picture here. And right now, the strength is with Israel, not Iran, and their various alliances. Um, Israel uh, has been quietly making inroads um, and alliances with Saudi Arabia, of all places, and Egypt, and other countries, including uh, quietly, despite uh, Recep Erdogan's uh, continued harshness towards Israel, uh, behind the scenes, there's... uh, this uh, quiet alliance that's shaping up very nicely, and it's because of the Sunni-Shia divide, and it's it's really as simple as that. And yet, it's it's really complex and complicated as well. So you have basically attempts to you see Iran's not that bad, I guess I was, was what I'm going to say. I mean, they're bad, but again, it's the Sunnis striving for hegemony and control the Middle East and the Shiites uh, who are striving for control. And, you know, when the United States made that nuclear treaty with Iran, that was a good thing. It showed that Iran wasn't necessarily as portrayed by my conservative friends as on a suicide pact to build a nuclear bomb. And unless they got what they wanted, you know, they would kill everybody else and even uh, commit suicide for their own nation and their people. They're more pragmatic than that, and the nuclear agreement, uh, the nuclear treaty, the non-proliferation treaty, was proof that they have a pragmatic side to them. And so that was good news. Now that that's been utterly demolished by the Trump administration and Mike Pompeo, undoing what John Kerry and President Obama did, um, really, and that's to the benefit of Israel, by the way, um, but at the same time, you have to wonder... You know, what's driving all this? And what I perceive as driving this is evangelical Zionism. And what I mean by evangelical Zionism, if we're going to define it, it's simply that you have a group of dispensationalists here in the United States, which is a large segment. In fact, it's the entire base of the Republican Party right now, um, about 35 to 40 percent of it, who, by the way, this doesn't exclude Democrats. Democrats and a lot of liberals have for years been very pro-Zionist and want to actually obliterate and demolish the mosque in Jerusalem and rebuild Solomon's temple, restore Israel to its so-called rightful place in biblical terms. And this is what Netanyahu, Benjamin uh, Bibi Netanyahu, keeps putting forward, this idea that um, 
you know, your land is our land. It's not your land. You know, you Palestinians, that's not your land. That's our land. Okay. And so there's this constant dispute. And, you know, it goes back to the biblical, um, you know, uh, uh, divide from, um, you know, Abraham with Ishmael and, and Isaac. And uh, it seems to me, Greg, that what's different today in American policy is this. Uh, prior, under both Republican and Democratic administrations, there was an effort to be a, you know, reasonably neutral power broker trying to bring peace between the various parties, especially Israel and the Palestinians. Even though, of course, we've always had a very strong uh, alliance militarily, economically, diplomatically with Israel. But, you know, we tried to be, you know, a mediator. To be a mediator, you can't just take one side or the other. I do mediations for a living. Uh, I did one yesterday. You know, the mediator has to be a neutral. But under the influence of the evangelical wing of the Republican Party, this administration is all in saying, you know, we're going to pursue what is essentially a dispensationalist you know, self-fulfilling prophecy concerning Israel, and for that matter, concerning Russia, as Gog and Magog, it strikes me. Um, right. Why else right. would we leave the field in Syria to Russia if not uh, because there's something else going on than simply, you know, American military or economic interests? Yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up regarding Russia, because by our pulling out of Syria, and um, parts of Iraq in an attempt to defeat ISIS when uh, the president precipitously pulled out our troops. I mean, it created a huge vacuum for Russian influence. Not that Russian influence wasn't already in Syria. It was for even a year and a half uh, at the beginning of Trump's administration. So, yeah, and they've been natural allies with Syria and Iran uh, with the Shiites all this time. And, you know, it's it's interesting because um, when you look at you mean Russia, the Sunnis, Syria is under Sunni domination. No, it's under Shia domination. It's actually the the Alawite government, which is about eleven percent of the people. Uh, Bashar al-Assad is an Alawite, and Alawites are uh, considered correct. Um, I'm, an I'm offshoot from from the Shiite Muslim religion, and um, they're part Greek Orthodox and part Shia. So they're considered apostates, but yet still part of them, and so they are a natural alliance between the two. And and you know that the Shiites represent only 17% of Islam, and the Sunnis represent 83% worldwide. But the thing that's interesting is that the Shiites view themselves as the direct descendants of Muhammad, therefore are the rightful heirs to Muhammad. And, of course, the Sunnis said, no, Muhammad gave us uh, four um, caliphates and four distinct uh, regions and that we would govern ourselves. And uh, it seems more democratic, but it's not. It's, it's actually very fascist. And then, then the, the Shiite, um, they appear to be more democratic in terms of their elections, but nevertheless, uh, it's a virtual theocracy. Um, and that's the problem. And what's a shame is that the people of Iran have so modernized, and they don't want to self-destruct, and so they're very upset with the Ayatollah and uh, their leadership because they know that, 
you know, if they keep going down that road, uh, they're headed for self-destruction and they don't want that. And so, um, you know, despite the fact that you and I do a lot of mediation, when you look at the current administration's approach to Israel, the whole Middle East, um, yeah, it's take no prisoners. It's that we are going to strengthen the hands of our alliance and uh, we're going to be dismissive of the Palestinians. We're going to be dismissive of anybody that disagrees with us. And, you know, in the world of foreign policy, that's heading down the road of of Armageddon, if you will. I mean, uh, literally. Uh, and by the way, foreign well, policy speaking, but are not afraid to evoke the image or the language of Armageddon. So it's just to be aware. Well, okay, you know, people so should be aware of speaking that. of Armageddon, Chuck Colson, one of the most famous Christian leaders of our generation, wrote a very prescient book. I think it was his second book, you know, first one after Born Again, called Kingdoms in Conflict. And fresh yeah, from his experience in the Nixon White House, he yes. started with about a 40-page short story of, you know, a fictional account of an American president deciding on intervention or non-intervention in a explosive conflict in Israel at the Temple Mount, I think it was, um, based on his belief that this was, that Armageddon was imminent. And Colson was sounding the alarm about religion and ideology and, and theology uh, and the dangers of it influencing uh, foreign policy decisions. And, and that's my concern today with the kind of staunch alliance between some of the really hardcore evangelical Zionists and their influence in the Trump administration. Yeah, and, and how to gauge that level is just seen by the actual peace proposal put forward by Jared Kushner. It's, it's very clear. I mean, he was interviewed on GPS uh, by Fareed Zakaria just a couple of Sundays ago, and he was bold and defiant. And, you know, that, you know, the Palestinians, uh, we're doing the best we can for them, but uh, in the meantime, uh, this land is Israel's, and so we're going to take it, and, you know, they can basically take it or leave it in terms of our peace offer, and that's where it stands, and it's, it's a very bold and defiant offer. And, and yes, it's, it's very clearly driven behind the scenes by dispensational evangelical Zionism. Andrew Basevich, also from Boston University, writes a lot about this um, and has written about six or seven books in the last 10 years, and uh, it's very revealing. And it's, it's not just Republicans, mind you. It's you know, there's a lot of Democrats um, who bring their religion into this. Um, don't don't kid yourself. Uh, but they're more pragmatic in their approach in terms of wanting peace. That's true in many respects. Uh, and there's a lot of Republicans who want to be more pragmatic. So I, I think what's happened is that the, the evangelicals have so um, gotten a hold of the reins of power right now that our government is clearly out of balance, as everyone can see. Even those who won't admit it publicly uh, definitely do behind closed doors, um, and they don't do anything about it. They're scared. They're cowards. So, you know, how do you expose this? How do you bring this forward without coming across uh, that we don't come across as conspiratorial or or some lunatics? Because that's exactly what happens. It gets turned around on us that somehow, you know, we're talking gibberish. And this was brought up at the Council on Foreign Relations in their Religion and Foreign Policy Workshop a couple of years ago, how this is often turned upon those who are concerned 
uh, they're labeled as extremists and conspiracists when in fact they're not. And of course, the other side is projecting, mind you. But it's a very concerning thing because here, you know, the United States government went all out to defeat ISIS, okay, in order to bring stability to the region. Now what we see happening is uh, in that vacuum, we see Russia moving in and we see the United States and Israel making very strong alliances. And it seems like the showdown is uh, taking place. And and it's a natural advantage for uh, Saudi Arabia to join Israel. I mean, think about it. I mean, when, what was it, back in 2009 or 2010 during the Christmas, uh, Israel was bombing Gaza into oblivion. And uh, King Abdullah at the time, who's now deceased, he was quoted uh, in the Associated Press as saying, uh, we can do business with Israel, but we will not do business with the Palestinians. We will not do business with their sense of radicalism. Um, so for some reason, American policy is quietly strong with Israel. American policy hasn't helped to de-radicalize the Palestinians. No. We just have a few more seconds here, so I need to wrap it up, but it strikes me that theology is a very dangerous basis for public policy. Of course, I don't want it left unsaid that we're glad that America is strongly supportive of Israel, uh, but our overall foreign policy should be to pursue peace, not conflict, and I'm afraid that um, we're only exacerbating conflict at the moment in a very volatile region. Our guest today, Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association. Thanks, as always, for being with us today for this very significant topic. You're welcome. And as we close, remember here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. So check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Ronach. Until next week, let freedom ring.